It's so great to be with you guys here today. Um, invite you to open up your Bibles to Hebrews 4. Uh, it's pretty far to the back of the Bible, so you might want to start at the back and work your way forward a little bit. But as you're turning to Hebrews 4, just want to share with you guys a story. Um, my heart was racing. My, my mouth felt dry. My hands were a little shaky. I'm thinking about the, this, this plan and, and what would I do when the moment arrived? I was so nervous. I just didn't know how this whole thing would play out. What is she going to think? I wanted to make sure that I said the right thing. Don't mess this up, Ricky. Come on. You, you got it. You can do it. Right foot, left foot, right foot, left foot is the moment of truth. I took a breath, opened my mouth, trusting that the right words would come out. How you doing? There it is. Now what? Oh, I'm good. How are you? Hey, that's a good sign. She's talking back. I'm very well. Thank you. Yes, manners. Girls love guys with manners. There's never a wrong time to be a gentleman. Booyah. Yeah. Um, I'm doing, um, I, I'm fine. So, hey, what's your name? Um, Chrissy. What, what, what's yours? My, my name's Ricky. Um, yeah, and, and I, th- that's kind of somewhat how it went when I met my now wife, Christy. Um, you know, I did feel a little nervous walking up to, the, to this beautiful girl and, and hey, what is she going to think of me? Does she think that I'm cute? How would she respond? Now, if, I probably wasn't that nervous because what do I have to be nervous about? <laughs> probably a whole lot. But, um, but we all experience that to some degree. Uh, I mean, maybe, maybe it is walking up to some guy, to some girl. Maybe it's meeting some girl's father. Maybe it's that job interview that you have. Um, maybe you're meeting someone in, in some sort of uh, prestigious position. Maybe you're making a presentation. Maybe you're approaching your boss with, with an idea, with, uh, with hopes for a raise or, or maybe a change of position. It's hard to approach people in, in certain situations because we wonder Hey, will they accept me? Will they like me? Will, um, do, do I measure up to, to their standard, to their level of performance? How they respond to me? Do they, do they understand me? Do they get me? Do you ever feel that same way with God? Man, can I really approach God? Can I, can I really be honest with Him? Can I really come to Him in, in prayer? What, what does God really think of me? Does he truly accept me or like me? Do do I measure up to the standard? Does he understand me? And that's what we're going to be looking at today. So uh, Hebrews 4, 14. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast Right there, underline, circle, hold fast, highlight that, hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. So first point, first observation is, let us hold fast to our confession. Hold fast, we keep believing, keep trusting, keep following God, even even when it's hard. We keep reminding ourselves of our confession. 
So what is our confession? And that's who Jesus is, who who he's made us. And so this is the bottom line of the book of Hebrews. This is Jesus Christ telling us who God, who Jesus is, who, what he's done, who, who, who he's made us. And, and we've seen this in Jesus, that he's the creator of all things. He's fully God. He's the son. He's better than angels. He's better than the prophets. He's better than Moses. He's, he's our sacrifice. He's the great high priest and the victor over death. And we're holding on to him, not letting go, trusting him completely because of who he is and what he's done. And here it says that Jesus is our, our great high priest. Not just some high priest, but a great high priest. And it shows us how Jesus is our great high priest in two different ways. First, Jesus is our great high priest because he is God. Jesus is God. And so in the Old Testament, they had a high priest. And what the, whole, the high priest's job, his job was to basically intercede for the people on their behalf to God. And he, and he was this, this mediator um, that was representing the people, representing them to God, and then representing God to the people. He, he was this go-between. But the problem was that this priest was just a guy. He was flawed. He, he was broken. He, he was sinful. It mentions in Leviticus 16 and also in the next chapter, Hebrews chapter 5, that the priest had to offer, but before he could offer sacrifice, a payment for the, the sins of the people, he had to first offer a sacrifice for himself because of his own sin. And so the, these priests, they're, they're sinful and imperfect. And we've seen that today with priests, and we've seen the shortcomings and, and the mess-ups and the sin, and, and we've seen the same with pastors, how they fall short, how they've been caught in, in sin, how they're broken, how they're flawed. And I'm no different. Me, Mo, Austin, we struggle with sin and we're no better than any of you. You know, there's nothing special about any of us. We, we sin, we, we fall short, and we're just regular people, just like you. You know, but, 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 but that's, that's the problem. Right? If, if we are all these sinners, even our priests or our pastors, these people that are kind of supposed to represent us in some way, then how do we get to God? How, how can we possibly approach God, come into his presence, talk to him, have some sort of close relationship with him? You know, there, there, there's this view of God, and, and it's right, it's biblical, that God is holy and we all fall short of him. Right? His holiness is, is this altogether separateness of God from humanity. God does not sin, and he cannot be in the presence of sin. He is separate. He is distinct. He is pure, and he's with, without sin. He's perfect, and he's just different than us. And, and be, because of that, man, can we just approach him? You know, in, in 1, Corinthians, or 1 Timothy 6.16, it says that God dwells in unapproachable light. In Exodus 19, before God gives them the commandments, he says that he'll come down upon this mountain. And he, but before that, he tells Moses, hey, you need to tell the people that they know, need to go cleanse themselves. They need to go wash their garments, wash their clothes. And then I want you to, to draw a line around the mountain. I want you to set these limits around the mountain because the people can't get too close to where I'm going to be. 
And if they get too close, then you need to put them to death. Because they just can't get too close to me because I am holy. Later on, they make a tabernacle, they make a temple, and there's this, um, uh, the, the Holy of Holies. And, and in there's the Ark of the Covenant, and this is representing and showing the presence of God. And this Holy of Holies was separated by this thick curtain. And it was, hey, this is the presence of God, and now there's this curtain that's separating you from God, and you can't get in there. And actually, only the high priest can only go in there one time a year on the Day of Atonement. And before he goes in there again, he has to sacrifice uh, some animals for his own sin. He has to cleanse himself. And then he could go in there and he could sprinkle blood um, on the ark for for the people. And, and actually, because God was so holy, so, so good, they would tie a rope around his waist and they'd put bells on his feet because if he didn't cleanse himself good enough because of his sin, he, he would actually just die in there. And so, hey, they couldn't go pull him out of there. So if he died, then they would have this rope and then they could just pull him back out. And, and, and a lot of us view God in that way that he, he is holy and that we, we can't get too close. Now, now Satan would want us to, he's, he would, is, loves for us to think that God is just holy, but also that we can never approach God. That there's no way that we can ever get close to him. And, and you know what, I, I'll admit my guilty conscience agrees with that. I feel just like Adam and Eve when I, when I sin. Man, I don't want to get close to God. I don't feel like I can. I want to run and hide because of my sin. Ever come to church and you just think, hey, now I'm going to get close with God. Now I'm going to get right with Him. Maybe you start singing and this little voice pops inside of your head. Hey, what are you doing? Do you remember what you did this past week? Do you remember what you did last night? Do you remember who you are? What you've done? How could you possibly be worshiping God? Because of that. Maybe, maybe you pray. Go to pray, go to read your Bible, and you just think, oh man, why bother? I mean, does God really want to spend time with me? Is he really going to want to talk to me? Can I really get that close to God because of what I've done? Will he even listen to me? And again, part of it is because we realize that we are talking to a holy God who is perfect. And we also realize, hey, what what I've done and what I deserve. So we don't think that we could get too close. And and so then if, if, if that's all going on, then how do we again ever approach God How can we get close to a holy God if we're not holy? But here's the good news. We have a great high priest who is holy for us. Jesus. I mean, in in verse 14, it says that Jesus went through the heavens to the presence of God. Jesus is God. He's completely holy, completely perfect. In verse 15, it says that he was tempted, but he is without sin. You see, Jesus is not like the old high priest that they were just regular guys. We have a better high priest in Jesus. He is perfect. He is holy. 
The, whole, the old high priest, they offered sacrifices day after day for their sin, for the sins uh, of the people. But we have a better high priest in Jesus who offered a sacrifice not for himself because of his own sin, because he's totally without sin. But he offered a sacrifice for us, for our sin. And he paid the price for our sin, offering himself. And without the sacrifice of Jesus, none of us can be with God. We, we, we can't be good enough to, to be saved from our sin. We, we can't go to church enough or, or not do just really bad things so that God then accepts us. The only way for any of us to know God, to be saved, to be forgiven, is because of Jesus Christ, his death, his resurrection. And if you haven't trusted in Jesus, just, just my, my encouragement to you is that don't, don't try to be good enough. Don't, don't be trusting in, in your own works because you fall short. We all do. And, and you're separated from God because of your sin, and you can't get to God on your own. But the good news is that Jesus loves you, that he pursues you, and he paid the price knowing that you can earn it. But he paid the price for your sin on the cross so that you can trust in him and so that you could know God, so that you could be brought near to him. And in verse 14, it says that he, Jesus passed through the heavens, which points us back to chapter one, saying, again, just saying that, that Jesus sat down at the right hand of the Father because our sin is paid in full once and for all. And so, so Jesus he isn't like the whole old high priest in that he's just some go-between between us and God, meaning, hey, I stay here, and then the high priest, he goes and has this moment with God, and he does these things with God, and then he comes back. That's not what we have in Jesus. We're here. Jesus comes, gets us, and takes us to the presence of God, takes us with him to God. Not because of our, our holiness or because we've earned it, but because of his holiness, because he is God. We get to know him. We get to talk with him, with God. And, and God hears us. He hears our voice because of this relationship this, that we could be in the presence of God. And I, and I feel like I can't approach God on my own because I'm not holy, but I have a great high priest who is holy, for me, that has paid the price for my sin in full, and that's our hope. And so Jesus, he, he is the perfect and better high priest because he is God, fully God, but he's also our better high priest because he is fully man. Look at verse 15. It says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, circle, underline, highlight, yet without sin. You know, I feel like I can't approach God sometimes because I, I, don't, I don't feel holy enough for God. But another reason that we feel like we can't really approach God is because he just, we don't think that God really understands us. Does he really get me? Does he really understand what I've gone through, who I am? Does he understand what it's like to have a bad day? To experience anxiety, problems with my kids, financial trouble? You know, maybe my least favorite superhero is Superman. I just don't really like that guy. Um, and, uh, you know, one, Superman never says anything funny. Um, 
you know, uh, I don't know, maybe that's a DC problem. Uh, Marvel's doing better at that. But um, the reason I don't really like Superman is because he's the man of steel. He's invincible. I mean, he's so strong. He can fly. He can shoot, you know, whatever fire laser beams out of his eyes. You know, he could even do that cold breath thing. Um, And the only way for Superman to ever really be hurt is this rare green rock that, you know, there's hardly any of it around. And so pretty much any situation that he goes into, he's stronger than everybody else. He can't be hurt. And so, so how hard is it if you're Superman to fly into a burning building when you know you can't be hurt? You can't be burned. You risk nothing. And, and I just don't feel like Superman can identify with me, relate to me in my life. But Jesus, he is a great high priest who fully identifies with us. He's fully man. It's hard to approach a God who doesn't understand us. But Jesus gets us. He's able to sympathize with us in all of our weakness because Jesus was tempted in every way that we are. He's experienced pain. He experienced trouble. In Matthew 4, he, he, he fasts for 40 days. So he's incredibly weak, incredibly tired incredibly hungry, and then Satan tempts him face to face. And Jesus tempted to, to not do things God way, but to, to take the easy way out. Jesus tempted to satisfy his own appetites and desires. He's t- tempted to not rely on God's provision, but to provide for himself. He's tempted to glorify himself and to avoid pain that would come. He has his identity attacked and is tempted to compromise. He was tempted in every way that we are, but didn't sin. Now you might wonder, how can Jesus relate to me, though, if he didn't sin? Well, let me ask you a question. What, what is harder? Is it harder to give in to temptation, or is it harder to endure through it? Is it harder in a moment where you feel tempted with, with lust or something, and to give in right away, to that desire, or is it harder to continue to surrender to God and to follow him and to not give in? I mean, imagine the ocean and there's this just water bottle floating on top of the water. So the waves push it and the bottle just goes with wherever the waves push it. And then there's a ship that is sailing, going through the ocean and going against the waves. Now, what feels the, the fuller force of the ocean. What, fu- what feels the fuller force of the waves? The bottle that just goes wherever or the, the boat that's actually going against the waves? Right, it's the boat. The boat feels the fuller force of the waves, just like Jesus feeling even just the fuller force of temptation, but doesn't give in. Now, I don't want you to think that Jesus just, when he's here on earth, that he's just kind of gliding around, just, oh, hey, I'm so holy. I'm so perfect. Yes, Jesus was without sin. And so, yes, he is completely holy and different from, the, from us. But Jesus lived in a world that is full of sin, full of pain. And Jesus, as a fully human person, felt pain, felt emotions. Jesus understands us. He was tempted like us. He knows what it's like to struggle to obey God. Before Jesus goes to the cross, he's praying to God the Father. And he's saying, God, if there's another way, if there's something else, I'm going to submit to you, but man, I'm struggling to really 
just really want to do this. God, if, if it's possible, take this cup from me. Jesus understands what it's like. Jesus experienced death. I mean, when Jesus started his public ministry, most likely Joseph, his earthly father, is dead. He knows what it's like to lose a loved one. Jesus was mocked. Jesus knows what it's like to have their friends turn their back on him, to be betrayed. Jesus had crummy family situations. Jesus was arrested, put on trial unjustly for something he didn't do, didn't deserve. Jesus was beaten. Jesus got sick. Jesus' family was not loaded with money. And so whatever you're going through, Jesus understands because he is fully human. And so whatever it is that you're facing, whatever it is that you have seen or had done to you or experiencing right now, Jesus says, me too. Me too. Man, you, you, you're, you're, you've had a loved one die? Me too. Man, you're having your identity questioned? Me too. Hey, you, you, maybe you're experiencing, hey, people don't really like me. They don't understand me. Jesus says, me too. Jesus understands us. But, but in Jesus, we, we know what it's like. How, how do we keep choosing and following God in the midst of this crazy world? We see that in Jesus while he's experiencing pain and loss and things aren't fully going his way. Jesus is, is fully God, fully man. That's our great high priest. Right? I mean, that, that, that's... What a picture. I mean, this is who Jesus is, and this is what Hebrews is pointing us to, this great Savior and high priest we have, and this is the confession, the belief that we are holding onto, these truths of Jesus that we keep trusting, keep clinging to, keep following. Even when life is hard, even when we sin, even if we feel like God wants nothing to do with us, we keep reminding ourselves, keep believing, keep trusting of who Christ is and not letting go of it. We keep holding on because if, if we don't hold on to Jesus, if we don't hold on to these truths of really who Jesus is and really who he's made us, we will think that God is only a distant God that we can never have a relationship with. We, we, we won't come close to God. This, this week, if you think that this, if we're really not holding on to these truths, you're not going to go to God in prayer when you mess up. Never going to think that you can actually really approach God or really get very close. Man, can I really even be fully honest with God about my doubts, about my struggles? If we're not holding on to these truths, man, I don't even know if I'm really fully forgiven. And we'll believe these lies that God is just disappointed in us because we just don't measure up. And he wants very little, if anything, to do with us at all. Right? But since Jesus is our great high priest, fully paid the price for our sin, he fully understands us, what do we get to do? Look at verse 16. Let us then, with confidence, underline, circle, highlight, confidence, draw near to the throne of God, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So second point, second observation is approach God with confidence. Because of Jesus, we can approach God with confidence, with boldness. I can pray to God constantly, honestly, 
I can approach him resting in the fact that I am completely forgiven. I can approach him freely. And so what does it look like to approach God like this, to approach him confidently, to approach him freely? First, let's look at confidently. I asked myself this week as I was saying, man, do I really believe this? I mean, really, that I can approach God with confidence? And the answer is no, not all the time. I don't always feel confident in approaching God. I feel cautious. I, I, sometimes I, I, I'm cautious just because, man, I, I, I just don't know if God will truly accept me because I know what I've done. I think God, some, you know, many times is, is just disappointed in me. Man, Ricky, you could have been doing more. You could be doing better. Ricky, I, man, I just can't believe that you thought that. I don't always feel that God really wants me around. Does he even really want to talk to me or hear my prayers? And maybe when you see yourself, when you think of yourself, you just think, yeah, I'm just a sinner. You feel guilt. You feel shame because of what you've done. Maybe who you slept with, what you've looked at. Maybe you feel guilt and shame because of what has been done to you. Before you you pray or approach God, you just feel like, man, I just got to clean myself up. Before before I ask God for anything, I need to show him that, that I'm good. Maybe you read your Bible, you really tried hard to not sin. Hey, I'll, I'll talk to God after I go to church. That way I'm better. Or maybe you feel like you can only pray to God because you've had a good day. Hey, that's where I'm going to get my confidence from because I think I'm a good person. Really haven't sinned. You know, when Chick-fil-A opened down south, love that transition, right? Bam! Uh, when Chick-fil-A opened up down south, uh, they had this thing beforehand that if you, you came a day early, it was to the first hundred people there, and you had to stay there all day, and you couldn't leave, that you would get 52 number one meals. And um, so me and my friends did that. It was great. And so, you know, the, over the course of the next year, going to Chick-fil-A, show them this card, bam, I'll take a number one, original chicken sandwich meal, free. Swipe the card, bam. But after a while, probably around the middle of it, you know, number 25, number 30, I'm just thinking, I don't really want any more original chicken sandwiches? I want spicy. Yeah. And so I asked him, I said, hey, can I, can I use this to get a spicy chicken? Um, even if there's a little price difference, you know, I'll pay for it. And the lady's like, I don't know if I could do that. Let me, let me check with Charlie, the owner. And he's standing over there and he comes up to me. He's like, hey, what are you asking? And I told him. He said, oh yeah, no problem. You don't even have to pay anything. Just, here you go. And he said, anytime you want that done, um, in the future, you just come in here and you tell them that Charlie said you could have it done. Okay, awesome. So next time I go in, hey, uh, yeah, I'd like to, like to do this. Um, hey, I don't know if we could do that. Well, I don't know. That's what Charlie said I could do. He said I can, you know, just drop his name and bam, it happened. Um, oh, okay, okay. Worked. All right. Confidence. I have confidence now in doing that. Next time I go in there, 
hey, uh, I'd like to do this. You know, Charlie said, uh, I don't know. Let me, let me get my manager. Mm. He comes over here. I could tell he's looking frustrated. I'm like, I don't think I'm getting my pleasure from him today. And um, so, you know, hey, well, hey, this is what, well, I don't know. This is what Charlie said. Well, you know, Charlie really shouldn't have said that. Yeah, you just got to get an original chicken sandwich. You can't do the spicy. Okay, ooh, I'm losing confidence. Um, but one thing that I found out was that if Charlie was in the store, it was never going to be a problem because Charlie was with me. And so if I was ever going up to the, <laughs> if I was ever going up to the register and saying, hey, I, I want a spicy chicken sandwich, if, I, if that ever happened, I'm not just going in the name of Charlie, I am coming with Charlie, in the presence of Charlie. But when you pray, when you approach your heavenly father, you are not just coming in the name of Jesus. You're coming with Jesus in the presence of Jesus. He is with you always. You're in Christ. If you have trusted in Christ, it's not just you over here. You have been placed in the life of Christ. You're in him united with Christ. And you could always approach the throne of grace confidently because it has nothing to do with your own merit. Nothing of what you have done. It is what has been done for you. And the truth is, is yeah, you've sinned. We, we all sin. We all fall short of that. And yeah, we're guilty and we don't make light of that. But because Jesus has paid the price for our sin in full, we can approach confidently. You can pray all the time. Don't, don't think that you have to clean yourself up before you come to God or pray to him, don't think, hey, I've had this bad day with temptation and sin. I don't really know if I can approach God or talk to him. Don't believe the lie that God is only likes you or is only pleased with you because you're being good, because you have it all together. If you've just sinned, go immediately to God. Even if you're like, Ricky, can I even go to God right now? I just sinned. Yes, go to God. Ricky, what, what if I don't really want to repent and turn away from my sin to God? Go to God. I, don't, I still have this desire in me to actually continue to do this thing that is not pleasing to God. Go to God. Confidently, knowing that it is not because of your desire or because your lack of sin that you are okay with God or because that you're forgiven. You're forgiven because Christ paid it for you in full, completely the price for your sin. And just be honest with him. God, man, I, I'm coming to you, and man, this feels weird, um, and I still kind of want to keep doing this, but God, I'm just asking you to change my desires. Transform me. Even I don't even feel like it right now, but God, just be with me. Help me in this. You don't approach God on your own merit because you somehow measure up. You approach God because of what Jesus has done for you. By myself, I'm guilty. By myself, I don't have confidence in approaching God. But because Jesus, I've been justified. I've been declared not guilty that I'm right with God. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says that Jesus became our sin, became sin for us so that we might become, we might be credited with the righteousness of God in Christ. That's how we approach God holding fast to our confession that Jesus has forgiven us, that he's made us new. And because of that, you'll never be pushed away. No matter how dark your sin gets, no matter how bad you fail, you're not going to be pushed away. God's grace allowance never, never runs out. His love never runs cold. 
It's grace upon grace, a love that is never ending, that we can't even fathom or completely understand. It is so big, so huge. And so we approach God confidently. And we also approach God freely. We saw it. He, he understands with us. He sympathizes with us. But we also approach God, God freely because who he's made us. At, at church, sometimes maybe in between the, the gatherings, I'll, I'll be talking to people, love talking to people. Um, and so I'll be talking there with someone. And my kids will come up to me and they'll completely ignore whoever I'm talking to. They don't see them. They don't care what they're saying. They just come right up to me and just start talking about whatever. Hey, Dad, what are we going to eat for lunch? I don't know. I'm not sure. I haven't really thought about it at all. Um, uh, Mom, uh, she looks frazzled. Uh, great. Um, I'll think of something. You know, but they just come up to me. And, and I don't really want them to interrupt the conversation. But at the same time, my kids don't wait in line to talk to their dad because they're my kids. Their mind. I don't want them to feel like that they have to wait or hesitate to talk to their dad freely because I am their dad. And when they come up to me, I will hug them and I will kiss them and I will tell them that I love them. And in Galatians 4, it says that through Jesus, we are adopted. We are made his kids. We're made God's kids. And we get to call God our dad, our heavenly father. And we know that as his kids, that we don't wait in line, we don't hesitate. We're his. And we come up to God freely. And he says, you're my boy. You're my girl. I love you. You're mine. And we get to talk to our heavenly father that way because of who he's made us, because of whose we are, not because of what we've done, not because of who we are, but because of whose we are without hesitation. This is what Pastor Timothy Keller says. He says, the only person who dares wake up a king at 3 a.m., for a glass of water as a child, we have that kind of access. Look, I'll admit, if my kids woke me up at 3 a.m., I'd be a little annoyed. Heck, I'm sometimes annoyed when my kids talk to me at 3 p.m. <laughs> you know, I'm, I, and I, I'm just like, hey, man, you talk a lot. <laughs> hey, um, I'm tired. Go play outside. And I do that because I'm an imperfect dad. But we do not have an imperfect heavenly father. We don't have an imperfect heavenly dad. Our God, our father is completely perfect. And he is, there's never this time where he's like, I don't want to talk to you because I'm tired. There's, this, there's never a time where God is thinking, I don't want to take the time to be with you. We got to believe that. We got to hold on to this. God always wants us, always pursues us, always loves us. We are completely His because He's made us His. He's adopted us to be His kids. That is our Heavenly Father. We have that kind of access. And look at how just verse 16 ends. We approach the throne of grace, we draw near to God that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Notice it doesn't say in a time when you have it all together. Notice it doesn't say in your time of perfection. It doesn't say, hey, in your time, uh, wait, wait to approach God um, on Sunday because you've had a bad day with sin. But in our time of need, in our time of sin, in your time of suffering, in your time of pain, in your time of hurting, 
go to God and what you will receive. When I go to God, I don't have to ever fear that I'm going to receive nothing. What will I receive in my time of need, my time of sin, my time of hurting? I will receive grace and mercy every time. I never have to wonder if God's going to understand me or if God's going to like me or forgive me. I don't I never have to wonder if God's going to be looking at me weird because he doesn't get me. We receive mercy and grace and we approach the, a throne of grace, not a throne of earning, not a throne of condemnation. But we approach the throne of grace with confidence, freely, because of our great high priest, Jesus. Because our sin is completely paid for, we'll never be pushed away. Because of Jesus, we belong to God. He listens to us. He listens to his kids. We're his. He understands what we're going through because he's fully human. He's lived in this world. The greatness of Jesus as, as our high priest doesn't allow us to think our sin is some little deal or to think that we could come to God on our own merit. But also the greatness of Jesus as our high priest doesn't allow us to believe that we're not forgiven, that we're not accepted, that we're not loved. The greatness of Jesus as our high priest constantly is reminding us that I'm made completely right with God because of what Jesus has done for me. Doesn't allow us to draw away from God, but to know that we have perfect access to God because Jesus, our priest, has perfect access to God. And so we continue, we hold fast. We believe, we trust, we cling to the truths of our confession of this is who Jesus is, this is who he's made us, so that we can be taken. We hold fast to him so that we can be taken to a throne of grace, taken to the presence of our Heavenly Father. Let's pray.